0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of La Frontera Within. I'm your host, Angela George, and in this episode, I'll be dissecting my interview with my cousin, Yesenia, who spoke on her experiences being bilingual, living in a bilingual family, and what it's like for her being a millennial in California with family in Mexico. So, without further ado, let's jump right in. Alienated from her mother culture, alien in the dominant culture, the woman of color does not feel safe within the inner life of herself. Petrified, she can't respond. Her face caught between los intersticios, the spaces between the different worlds she inhabits. This quote from famous Chicana feminist scholar Gloria Ansaldua from her book Borderlands, La Frontera, from which this podcast is sort of named after, really resonated with me. I read it before I started conducting the interviews with my family and I'm not sure I had read something like that, that feeling of being caught in the spaces in between, not even caught between two different cultures, but caught in the intersection of those cultures it's hard to describe what it's like to be caught up in something that is completely different than what the other cultures what the other people from the other cultures are feeling when i try to talk to my mom about this she's coming from a place where she was raised in a mexican household she was dealing with the cultural conflicts in her own way and we'll talk about that more in another episode but for now Going into the interview with my cousin Yesenia, I was expecting her to have a similar story to me, but what caught me off guard was how closely she feels connected to her Mexican culture. In fact, when I asked her what does she identify as, she says she completely identifies as Mexican, a Mexican living in the United States, which is also in itself an extremely difficult experience to be living through. It's difficult for her because she's not completely accepted by her Mexican family as Mexican. When she travels to visit family in Mexico, they see her as American when she sees herself as Mexican. This is a really common experience to be going through and it doesn't get easier as time goes on. We develop into our own selves even more and the people that we would consider part of our culture, part of our history, don't seem to understand really what it means to be in these intersticios. So I just want to play this clip from our interview for you. So she can kind of describe in her own words what that's been like. Uh, something I, I remember hearing is, American, oh, you're no American, or, uh, oh, you're not so American, totally you or, oh, you're not totally Mexican. They tell me things like, maybe it's an American thing. Oh, it's a Mexican thing. These kind of things amount to microaggressions, and it really hurt to hear my cousin struggling with people questioning her identity and having to fight for it also. I want to clarify that Yessi's struggle is not with her own identity as Mexican. She's always fully claimed that. The struggle comes from other people not understanding where she's at. And she's always been proud to be Mexican, but it can be difficult when other people don't recognize that part of you. As the interview progressed, she told me more things about what it's like to be bilingual and also just be a Mexican in the working space. My cousin works in an office and often has to make calls outside of the state. And she told me people would tell her over the phone, Oh, what a pretty name, Yesenia. I've never heard it. Even though she remembers growing up with four different Yesenia's in her class, and they were all named after a famous novella from the time with the star actress of the same name, Yesenia. It's this cultural clash that we have to navigate every day that really starts to drain on you and what we end up doing as bilingual speakers. And for me, like as a biracial person, I reach out and try to grab as many resources as I can from both worlds. I think Yesenia taps more into her bilingual identity and finds comfort in creating a space for Spanglish to thrive. In the interview, she really was reflecting on how her younger brother, Diego, doesn't really speak Spanish, and how he misses out on a lot of the family jokes and things like that. El poder hablar español es poder hablar con tu gente, es poder hablar con otro lado del mundo, con otras, convivir con tus roots. For her, language is part of her identity, and... She's creating her own language with her friends, with her family, because she can. She has access to both languages and thus is able to make her own way of navigating through the world. I want to read out a quote from Peter Auer, who is the author of an article, A Postscript, Code Switching and Social Identity, where he discusses a lot about what it is to be bilingual and frequently have to code switch and just navigating both worlds of that shared linguistic identity with so many people. And one of my favorite things that Auer does is describe bilingual people as semiotic constellations, which just makes me feel so beautiful when I'm thinking about trying to gain that bilingual identity. But the quote I wanted to read out was this, bilingual speakers do not group themselves together by claiming co-membership simply because they speak more than one language. Usually, code switching stands for something else. It symbolizes identities beyond the linguistic fact. When the Spanish portion of my interview with Yesenia ended, she started telling me about one of her friends who spoke Cantonese. When the friend would come over to the house, Yesi's mom, my aunt, Tia would speak to her in Spanish, and eventually the friend learned a lot just through exposure. Spanglish, speaking Cantonese plus Spanglish. They created, between Yessie and her friend, their own form of communicating that seamlessly involved three different languages at once. And it's not because they spoke all three languages perfectly it's because they wanted to communicate in the most comfortable manner for both of them. For Yessi, home and language are completely intertwined. When I asked her which language she feels the most comfortable in, and does she participate in the code-switching hour described, she said, English is obviously the language that I feel the most comfortable with because I use it every day. I speak Spanish in my house and I've found that when I'm angry it's a lot easier to say inappropriate words in Spanish words. So when I'm angry or when I'm joking, that's when I'm using Spanish. When I asked her about what it's like when she travels to Mexico and where she feels the most at home, she described Mexico and her family there as it doesn't matter how long it's been, it's like no time has passed. But of course she recognizes growing up in the United States has impacted her a lot and she still finds a home there as well. Culturally, Mexican culture is a lot more inviting than U.S. culture. In the U.S., we do things on our own, and it all plays into this idea of a capitalistic society and where we're all individuals racing to reach the top, and it impacts the way we interact with other people here. The cultures are extremely different, and when we talk about the American dream, we're often describing the American dream... For a white individual. And honestly, an American dream that's pretty outdated now, the white picket fence and all that. When you ask a classroom today, what is the American dream? I think there's a little bit of a pause because Gen Z knows that that dream is not really possible for them anymore. It's not sustainable. It's not something we even want for ourselves. We don't want to be In these isolated homes in the suburbs commuting and feeling distant from where our lives are it's something people used to want a separation and now it's just like especially after the pandemic we're searching for any way to stay connected with people and that suburban lifestyle that's spread out is not really interesting to us for Yesenia she spent her whole life in California and I asked her if she would like to live anywhere else, and she really would like to stay in California, close to family, close to her friends. She's not looking to create this bland future that we talk about with the American dream. She wants something that is more meaningful than that. And honestly, the American dream looks different for Mexicans. Mexicans like to have their community, and I really don't think this white idea of the American dream even applies anymore to Mexicans, to Gen Z, to even millennials who know there's no way they can afford a house on their own in California, maybe anywhere because of how the housing market is and so many other things. It's more important to them to be close to the people they love than to live in isolation like we talk about in the suburbs. And I think that's part of the cultural clash that Yesi was speaking to. Me gusta como es la vida allá. Es una vida más simple. Es una vida con, donde se convive mucho la familia, convive mucho la gente. Mm. Me gusta eso. Aquí en los Estados Unidos es algo muy frío. About coming to Mexico and suddenly it's warm, it's welcoming. It's not this frigid U.S. culture where everyone is on their own, fighting against each other, really, to reach the top. To wrap up the interview, I asked Yesi what the bilingual community looks like in California. She said it's strong, of course, stronger closer to the border and weaker as you get further north into Northern California. But the one thing she knows for sure is that she wants to continue the tradition of passing on her language to her children. Spanish is such a strong part of her identity. And like she said, with her brother not speaking it, it really limits how much you can participate in the Mexican culture without that language. And it only adds to the struggle of holding multiple identities at once. For me, as someone who's learning Spanish in the classroom setting, it has been hard to claim parts of my Mexican identity when I can't communicate like how I want to with other members of the community. Even conducting these interviews was extremely terrifying to try to communicate with the people I love in a language that they feel so comfortable in and I almost feel like a guest in. But it really was an important experiment for me in figuring out who I am and what it means to be biracial and struggling to get the identity of bilingual. Yes, it was very encouraging of trying to get to Mexico in any way I can because to reconnect with your roots like that would just be kind of that final piece of what it would be to fully explore my Mexican identity. And I think after talking to her, it did make me feel like I'm doing my best and I'm trying and it's okay if it's hard and it's okay if I feel weird about it. I think I'll end this episode today with another quote from another amazing Chicana feminist scholar and theorist, Sherry Moraga. And in her essay La Guerra, she writes, I am a woman with a foot in both worlds and I refuse the split. To me, this is exactly La guerra that I'm fighting in myself and in my identity, just trying to reunite the two halves of myself and hold both identities at once. Thank you for joining me on the primero episodio de La Frontera Within. I really enjoyed exploring what it means to be grappling with two identities with my cousin Yesenia, and I hope you'll join me on the next episode where I'll be discussing similar themes in some interviews with my tías. I'll see you next time on La Frontera Within.